The reason you want to learn how to use your voice well is so that when you meet people and you're leading people, you can harmonize with them. Hey everybody, my name is Andrew Tran. I'm a marketing branding strategist. I help organizations, their teams, their team leaders deliver and execute on the challenges they're facing from marketing campaigns to market entry activity all the way through to strategy and planning. If you want to hit me up, check out my website. It's www.andrewtran.asia. You can find out a little bit more about me. You can book time with me. But until then, let's get on with the show. My next guest today is Vin Jang. He is an internationally renowned keynote speaker, a world-class expert communication and professional coach. He's from Adelaide, South Australia, and currently in California in the States playing his trade. He's a successful entrepreneur, and what makes him unique is his ability to convey his story and message to an audience through magic. We had an amazing conversation. Uh, it was something that, as a business owner and also as a leader, as a manager, it is so useful because a lot of people that I meet, uh, especially in small businesses and startups where they're having to wear multiple hats, having to understand the differences and, and using the tone to communicate as a manager, as a leader, uh, is so, so important in today's age, especially right now what's happening in COVID where we're using digital and you know communication through digital means as a way to convey our messages correctly to our staff and to our audience. So this conversation is so, so important. So without further ado, give it up for Vin Jang. Vin, how's things going? Hi, good, good. Yeah, really excited to do this with you. And, and it's so cool we're doing this. I'm in California and you're in Vietnam. That's, that's awesome. That's right. That's right. Um, so like with everything that's, that's happening, like with COVID situation really quickly, like, uh, how, how's everything going over there? Yeah, look, I, I think for me, for those people who don't know my, my industry is the events industry. So I'm in the speaking, the training, the educating industry. So when COVID hit, it decimated this entire industry. So I've, I've spent the last six to eight weeks just educating myself on how to build a production studio <laughs> so, I can, so I can still serve my clients virtually. So it's been, you know, you, you panic, you're excited, you're tinkering, you're sad, then you're happy. It's just, it's been a crazy roller coaster. Yeah, nice. And I, I noticed like you've been so transparent in that process as well. Like you've been doing those quick uh, live events, tested out. Uh, and I think from a social media, from a communication standpoint of view, it's been so refreshing when you see a professional kind of show that, that humanization, I guess, the humanity within themselves and the humility uh, to also do that and transparency. I think that's, that's such a great thing to, to do. Yeah, well, I just, I, I've started to realize, even for me, when I follow certain entrepreneurs and certain people I, I, I really admire, when they only show... The polished product it creates an illusion in my mind that they're able to achieve that overnight and then I, I realized I was kind of doing that with my following base as well and I thought no, I don't really want to do that because it's not the truth you know I I kind of want to be more transparent and also by me testing with people online transparently I learned a lot you know I, I instead of learning in a vacuum now I'm learning with real people and and people help me validate is this important to have is that important to have on so I think it's fantastic. And it, and it shows a truer view of you. Nice, nice. Uh, I, I want to touch on just this one thing before we move on. Like you, you talked about 
entrepreneurs, you talk about people that you kind of follow. Uh, off the top of your head, what, what are the few entrepreneurs that you follow? I, number one is Tim Ferriss. I love Tim Ferriss. I'm sure you're aware of who he is. Yes, so I love Tim Ferriss. I used to really love following Gary Vaynerchuk. Um, I've, I've, I've stopped following him since, only because my goals and values have changed. And so I've tried to adjust the people that I follow as well. Uh, I, I love Joe Rogan. So I'm a huge fan of Joe Rogan. Love his podcast. Loves the people he brings on. And, and he's helped me discover other people like Dr. Rhonda Patrick, who's an amazing kind of doctor. And, and she's just an amazing researcher and into health and well-being. So yeah, those are some of the ones I really love. Nice, nice. Okay, so uh, like I know, I know we've got a short amount of time, but the theme yeah. of this conversation that we're having is, is around communication, right? Effective communication yeah. um, as a leader and, and how people can, or as leaders can adopt some of your methodology around it. Um, would you be able to talk about, you know, you, you mentioned before how you're, you're an event speaker, you're a motivational speaker, keynote speaker. How did this journey kind of begin? For me, it began accidentally. So I, I won an entrepreneurial award in Australia. And then as a result of winning that, I got to do like a bunch of talks for free. And up until that point in my life, I only wanted to be an online kind of entrepreneur, make money behind the scenes. I didn't want to be someone, you know, upfront like a speaker would be. And after winning the entrepreneurial award and speaking, I fell in love with it. And I fell in love with it because I never felt such a great sense of fulfillment by being able to do something on stage in a one-to-many situation where, you know, people come up to you afterwards and go, wow, that was amazing. Oh, you, you helped shift my mind with this and that. And then I got hooked on that feeling. So then the journey kind of started that way. And I was, wow, this is a career path. I, I didn't know speakers got paid. I didn't know that it was a, it was a career path. And yeah, man, so after that, I, I just read as many books as I could on the world of speaking. And I wanted a career in this space. Yeah, um, it's great that you just kind of talked about, hey, I, I read a lot of books around it. Um, could you talk a little mm -hmm. bit more around that stacking approach in order to develop that knowledge and, and to hone that craft? Well, I, I've always valued mastery. And, and in the world of magic, there's you know, the magician Te Pelin Teller. So Teller is the one that's mute uh, when he's performing, but he actually talks. He's, he's more intelligent than Penn. And he, he says a wonderful quote where he goes, magic is just someone spending more time on something than anybody would reasonably expect. And the idea behind that is mastery. You know, and, and that's why magicians spend thousands of hours on things. So I believe in mastery. And then it was Scott Adams, the creator of Dilbert. I don't know if you know the Dilbert cartoon. But he had a concept where he said, we live in a world now where you can't just do one thing. You can't just do one thing and be really good at just one thing. It's about combining many different things. For example, if I just did magic, I'd be competing against a million magicians around the world. But if I did speaking and magic, I'm now competing against 10 people who do speaking and magic. Which one am I more likely to become really, really good at and more unique and become very successful at? It's, it's kind of just, and then that's where I kind of understood the stacking of different qualities and the stacking of different mastered skills. So then I realized, oh, wow, but you know, if I could do it even more so, if I could be the only speaker that was a magician that trained people in communication, I was furthering that you know, unique value proposition and, and able to provide something that no one's ever experienced before. 
so, you know, I'm trying to talk you through the combination of experiences and thoughts that led me to kind of doing what I'm doing now. Nice, man. And, you know, as a, as a, as a facilitator, as a, as a motivator when it comes to leadership and communication, actually, what is mm. the fundamentals when it comes to communication, in, in your opinion? Well, I think, first of all, it's, it's realizing the importance of learning how to use your voice. And I, I, when I teach my students, I say, using your voice is like playing an instrument. So you've got to get good at playing the instrument. That's important. But you also have to learn how to write good music, right? Which really relates to storytelling and learning how to use storytelling to inspire and motivate people. I think a lot of the times when people speak, they speak in facts and figures or they report to you a story. They don't actually play the story for you. They don't actually play the music for you. They just read the music for you. So I think there's a difference in that, in that a very simple example, and, and I don't have it here, but if I, if I played a piano song and the song was a slower song and a sad song, then you'd feel sad, obviously. If I played another song and, and it felt it was uplifting and motivational, then you feel inspired. And the interesting thing you experience is these songs that I'll play for you, they have no words, yet how do you know how to feel? So I think what leaders have to understand is their instrument can move people. Their instrument, their voice can actually make people feel inspired, can make people feel motivated, can demoralize people, can make people feel jealous, can make people feel envy. So you have to learn how to use your instrument and then also learn how to write good music. And I think those two things combined really help a leader succeed because storytelling is way more influential than just telling someone to do something, you know? Nice. Yeah. Okay. Yep. So it's all... It's- the art of storytelling is such an important factor. And it doesn't have to be a long story. You know, it doesn't have to be a long story. It can be something, you know, it takes, because people, the, the, the biggest reason why people are so against storytelling is they go, oh, you know, I don't have, you know, I don't have 30 minutes to tell them a story. You can tell a brilliant story in a minute and a half. You know, you can, you can and, and I can give you examples after, but it's, it's just about using it masterfully and using it in a way that isn't cheesy and, 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 and you have to realize that the price you must pay before you can use it masterfully is you have to use it poorly. So, you know, it's, it's like you've got to take one step at a time and, and people just want to go immediately into telling stories really, really well or, or stuff and it's not for me. It's a skill worth learning. Yep. It's a skill worth mastering. It's, what, it's just what, it's what speakers do on stage. They're just glorified storytellers. <laughs> nice. Yeah. Uh, it, it's really cool because the people who are listening here and the people who are watching are uh, either they're, they're leaders in their own right, they, they, they manage, or, or sorry, they're leaders or they're managers. And mm. in my experience, maybe in your experience as well, there's sometimes a, a, a gap in knowledge or difference between understanding what a manager is and what a leader is. Uh, in, in your opinion, when it comes to communication, What's the difference when it comes to being a manager and what is the difference when it comes to being a leader when it comes to communication? Well, I, I talk to my students always about a concept called vocal archetypes. And vocal archetypes is vocal roles, how you use your voice. So, so think about how you would talk if you were talking to your mum, And then how would you talk when you're talking to a baby? And then how do you talk when you're talking to the boys, Right. So our voice changes when we're talking to different people, meaning we have different vocal archetypes depending on the situation. And again, another example is, imagine you 
bumped into the CEO of a large company and how would you talk? What archetype would you have? So we've got different vocal archetypes and, and two out of the four vocal archetypes, one is called motivator. So motivator is just think of a motivational speaker. Think of a motiv motivational speaker when they're at their peak, they're on stage, you're trying to really push and motivate you. That's an archetype. And then there's another archetype called coach. And then just think of a football coach, you know, someone who's really coaching you, pushing you to, you know, really succeed at the game and win and execute strategies. So the motivator, you use that archetype when you're trying to motivate people and when you're talking about the why for something. So when you're a leader, you need to be talking about the why because you're there trying to motivate people. So you've got to engage with the, the motivator archetype. Whereas when you're a manager, you're involved in day-to-day -day tasks and you're in direct you're in direct you know, access with people. You're accessing people, helping them do it. So you've got to engage with coach because the coach archetype is there to help instruct and guide. Whereas a lot of the times, one of the other vocal archetypes is, is you know, friends. Like, oh, we're just friends. And then when you're trying to you know, just be a friend and then you're trying to be a good manager, sometimes you're being an ineffective manager because people need a great coach at times in their lives. They need someone to coach them to be better. Yeah, what I find a lot of managers, what happens is they, they either get stuck in their own default archetype and then they don't ever engage in coach archetype because it's scary because they don't know how to go into coach archetype without coming across like a dickhead. And then as a result of that, they never become the best manager they can be. So to me, being very aware of vocal archetypes and you know, motivator is the why, you know, think about, imagine what we can create. Imagine the possibility when we solve this problem for all of our clients. It's very aspirational. Whereas coach, you, you've got to be a little stronger. Look, if we don't finish this by Friday, we're not going to be able to execute on the next task and the next project. I know this is tough, but let's work together. Let's make it happen. So it's more of a, it's a stronger energy. It's, it's different. Yep. And that, that's why back in the day, you've got to think about it. It's why when people go to war, it's so important to have a general right up front who leads all the men into war. And they did war cries. Now imagine you didn't have the right vocal archetype there. <laughs> Just, yeah, let's, let's go. Not going to push anyone's morale there. Nice. Uh, that's really interesting. The, the that, that's switch. one area I think is yeah. important, yeah. yeah. Yeah, the vocal archetype. I think for, uh, and I would love to get your opinion on this because what I see that it's super difficult as an entrepreneur, and you're an, you're an entrepreneur as well, like for a guy who's managing a small team, you have to be, you have to wear multiple hats. And for some of the listeners and, and you know, viewers here who are in the startup world, uh, which is, which is a really kind of romantic industry to be in at the moment with a lot of heartbreak, uh, you know, they're wearing multiple hats. They're, they're having to be the manager to make sure that uh, delivery is executed on time on budget uh, based on the runway that they have. Then they also have to be the leader that has to inspire and, uh, and also drum up um, inspiration in order to drive interest and spark, you know, the nostalgia of his or her product. Um, mm. Just the question is, is more around what do you think, what are probably a technique that they could probably use besides the vocal archetype uh, when it comes to switching back and forth, uh, being a leader and a being a manager? I think being really transparent with your team that you are wearing multiple hats. I think before you change hats, communicate that so that your team, you know, imagine, imagine you went from a moment where you're saying, Hey, look, you know, we, we, we're going to do this no matter what it takes. We're going to make sure that we achieve this. 
and, and then you immediately you switch and then you go into kind of you know, manager mode where you're expecting things to be done now, now, now. Why haven't you done this yet? I think that lack of clarity and lack of communication before you switch will cause a lot of, it will cause a lot of people to misunderstand, you know, it will, it will be miscommunication. They'll get upset with you. So I think being very transparent with, hey, look, you know, as an entrepreneur, I've, I've got to wear multiple hats and as you transition your role and as you transition the hats and change the hats, make sure you communicate that across. So, so you build some, you know, so, so they have some empathy. Whereas I think a lot of the times people just, just kind of change hats without communicating it. So I think that's something to do. You know, it will help your people become more understanding. It's, it's something that I had to do as well. I've had to let some of my team go and I had to talk to them as a friend. Then I had to talk to them as a business owner. So I, I had to make sure that I was really clear when I was talking as a business owner and when I was talking as a friend to protect the friendship. Otherwise, they'll miscommunicate that I'm speaking as a friend when I'm talking about business things. So I think that's, that's very important to have that, that clarity and, and not be afraid to, to just be transparent with your team. Wow. Okay. I want to touch on that. Was, how was that the first time you did it? Was it? How difficult was it? It was really hard because I, you know, as, as someone who runs a business, you, you, you know, you have a team, I have a team and, and you build such great rapport with your team. You build such strong connections. They become like your family. And because of a situation that's no fault of our own, we feel like we're letting our teams down, you know? So it was, it was a very difficult conversation, but to me, I was lucky in that my team and I always are very transparent. We always communicate really, really well. And we just talked through it. There were tears, you know, we felt really bad. They, you know, we, we didn't like what was happening, but we realized that in the end, it was not, it's not their fault. And it also wasn't mine. It's just right now with COVID-19, it's completely destroyed the event industry. So we just said, look, we'll, we'll gather the Avengers again when the market comes back. But for now, we need to, we need to bunker down ourselves. Okay, great. And I'm really interested because, yeah, you, you just kind of touched on this point. You transitioned uh, because of the COVID situation, like group gatherings is, is really difficult, if not illegal now. Uh, so you've, you've mm. gone to online and you've, you've obviously you've gone through that process that's been quite transparent from a, uh, from a viewership perspective. How mm. has it changed the way you've, had to communicate um, and how has that changed the way you've communicated now that it's in front of a camera? Yeah. I mean, one of the biggest things in front of a camera is obviously you don't get a reaction, right? So when I, even when I'm teaching my class, I'm, I'm doing master classes of 30 at the moment. And even when I'm teaching a class of 30, when you use humor, for example, there's no reaction <laughs> or when you, when you drop a line of wisdom that you think is really deep, you know, when, when, when it's in person, you can, you can see people head nod. And I mean, now their cameras are on, but I'm trying to look at the camera lens and not look at, you know, the screen so that it creates more engagement. So where I look changes, now I also have to just believe in the humor because what I, one of the things that, that I did that was really interesting that when I watched my videos back was I'd do a joke and then I'll do an apology face. Like a face like, is that funny? Uh. And I was like, what am I doing with my face? And I didn't even know I was doing that. So one of the things I really believe in is you, you, you've got to watch your videos back. If you, if you want to improve the way you communicate, you have to watch videos of you communicating back. 
because it becomes a mirror for you so you can check out your communication reflection. You know, most people, we, we tend to look in the mirror to do our hair and dress ourselves, right? If you want to improve your communication, you need a communication mirror and that's a video. So as I was doing that, I was like, oh man, I, I do apology face when I do a joke and when I do a wisdom point and no one, you know, and I'm not getting that response of the people going, mm, that's really, that's a really strong point. Then I just lose all my confidence on screen. You know, my volume kind of drops and it seems like I'm like, you know, just losing myself self-confidence and I don't believe in myself anymore. So I had to learn to go, no, no, you just have to own it. And you have to use some techniques that I guess actors use because actors are acting without generally an audience. And, you know, so, so, so what that means, what I mean by that is the rehearsal process of me teaching online is way more intense. It's way more intense than in person because in person, at least you've got the audience ebbing and flowing with you. Whereas when you're presenting and teaching virtually, it's very one way. It's, it's very, you're, you're, you're in a bit of a silo in a vacuum. So your rehearsal needs to be on point. Otherwise, yeah, you, you, you have these little weird things you do, like the, some of the things I mentioned. <laughs> um, you mentioned with the masterclasses, you do 30, right? Is, is, it, is that just an arbitrary number or was it, is it on purpose? Like, how did you come up with 30? I'm still exploring. I'm currently doing 30 just because I, I, I always believe in creating and like, like, a, like an intimate experience. I never want to do something that's, you know, 500 people or 600 people. I, I like in person, the magic number for me was 30. I've been teaching in person now for four or five years and I, I, I just love that 30 number. So I just carried it across online and it feels right right now. I think we can push it. I think 30 is good, but I want to try 40, 50. You know, you know, the entrepreneurial part of me as well wants to make something that is more financially appealing as well. So, but master it with a small group first. I think going into it with a large group first, I think is a mistake because you've got to learn how to manage certain size groups, even online. Yep. Yep. Hmm. Okay. Yeah. That makes that, that's a good point. Like it's, it's about trial and error, but doing, but optimizing along the way to scale, uh, as you, as you, as just yeah. your product becomes more mature. And when you make a mistake with 30 people, it's better than making a mistake with a hundred people, right? Right. So, you know, you just want to, you want to learn slowly, take baby steps. And, and I've learned how to be way more patient now, you know, as, as we get older, you, you kind of understand the importance of patience. And especially when it comes to exploring a completely new space, you can't expect results immediately. Yep. Yeah. I, it, I think a lot of people who have that understanding, that empathy around uh, patience, I, I find a lot of people who have experienced uh, adversity either through sports like individual sports or gone through the military or gone through some sort of traumatic experience uh, I find they have a better way of dealing with that than someone who doesn't like do you kind of see that point sometimes as well well for me I haven't really been through anything that traumatic I think right. for me I've learned the value of patience because without patience I ruin the journey when, I, when I'm too, you know, too urgent, when I'm like, oh, I want this, I want this, I want this, I want, this, I want it now. When, when, I, when I get too impatient, it ruins the whole journey for me. And as opposed to adversity or tragedy, for me, it was more just every time I'm not patient, I hate the journey. You know, like every step, every moment, I'm like, oh, this sucks, this sucks. Why am I not there? Why am I not this? Why am I not that? And just the whole journey sucks. 
So I kind of learned from many journeys that, that just the whole journey, I just didn't enjoy it. And it really came down for me. It was because you just weren't patient, man. You just expected it straight away and then it just ruined the whole damn ride. So I've just kind of learned now to go easier on myself. You know, instead of trying to achieve things in, in 12 months, I go, oh, I'll give myself three years to really master this space. Same with virtual. I said to myself, look, all right, if you want to do this, I'm not going to expect myself to succeed extremely well. I'll give myself three to four years. Let's, let's drag this out. Let's get really good at it. Let's pace ourselves. Let's not do one every week because that, that, that's kind of the, the original me would be like, oh, dang, let's do one every single week. Let's email this out to the entire mailing list straight away, get 100 people in a room. I don't do that anymore. Now I just think, all right, let's, let's just market this to a small chunk of the mailing list at a time. Let's do one every three weeks. Let's drag it out. And then now I'm enjoying it a lot more. Yeah, nice, nice. Um, yeah, yeah I, I kind of do that with, with my business as well uh, with regards to just how I operate with my email lists as well and testing it mm. out, looking at different formats um, and really A-B testing uh, as much as I can. Yeah. So, yeah, that's yeah, cool. Yeah, yeah, same thing with us, same thing with us, yeah. same okay. thing with us. Yep. Hey, um, so, uh, yeah, I, I, know, I know time's a little bit precious at the moment. So, just really quickly, I, I know that you're – you know, you've got like a whole bunch of, you have different types of people that come to your seminars, right? Oh, sorry, come to your talks. You got like leaders yeah. and managers. Uh, in, in, just based on your experience, those that come in, what are the key challenges that they face uh, when it comes to trying to improve their communication? Well, a lot of people who come to me are in the tech space, in the medical space, or the finance space. And they're all got kind of slightly different, kind of slightly different problems. But let me, let me think on it. So what is the most common problem they have when it comes to communication? I feel like, again, if we're using the, the music analogy, a lot of the times people don't realize why communication is so important. And I'll use the music analogy one more time. The reason you want to learn how to use your voice well is so that when you meet people and you're leading people, you can harmonize with them. So harmony is a beautiful principle in magic, not magic, sorry, in music. But when, when, when leaders don't know how to use their voice well, you know, I, I've met many leaders who the way they speak is it's very direct, it's very strong. And when they speak to Susan, Susan, I don't understand why this isn't done yet. And Susan speaks a different way. Susan, it's, oh, you know, I'm so sorry, James, I couldn't do this because, oh, you know, these are the current reasons. And what leaders don't understand is if you want to build rapport with those that you lead, you need to learn how to harmonize with them. Oh, Susan, why don't you tell me what's wrong first? You know, look, this is very important that needs to be done. This can't happen in the future. But why don't you tell me what's wrong right now and let's make sure we work towards something so this doesn't happen again in the future. And when you change the way you communicate, all of a sudden you're harmonizing with that person. And when you harmonize your voice with somebody else's voice, it creates immense rapport, empathy, understanding, connection. Whereas I think a lot of leaders struggle with the concept of, I'm not going to use my voice differently. This is who I am. If I do anything differently, I'm being inauthentic and I'm being fake. And I'm like, no, no, you're wrong. That's, that's wrong. So I help reframe it for them. And I say to them that, and you may have heard me say this before, but it's on a piano, there are 88 keys. And if I get you to play with some of these keys over here, that are a little bit higher, it may feel unnatural to you and you think it's fake and phony, but it's not fake and phony. If you can make the sound, it's your voice, it's your instrument. If you can make the sound, it's yours. The thing is, you've just been playing with 12 keys over here your entire life. And when I ask you to play these keys over here, you think it's fake, but it's not fake. It's just unfamiliar. 
So the important thing about in, in leadership is learn how to use the leader's instrument and learn how to use the entire piano. Learn how to use 88 keys so that no matter who you lead or who you're working with, you can harmonize your voice with that person. You can adapt your communication style and melody to that person. And if you just do that, you, you start to learn, wow, I can get along with so many more people. And, and that's one of the things I always prove in my in-person workshops. And you know, hashtag humble brag here. But at the end of all my workshops, I say to the, my entire class, I say to them, how many of you felt like I truly connected with you? You've really felt a strong connection with me. And every hand often goes up, except once one person didn't put their hand up. Quite upsetting, but that's okay. <laughs> and, and I go, look, that's the point. Even if I couldn't connect with five of you in the room, most people don't connect with this many people in their lives. And they go, oh, it's different personality types. No, it's just because you're not learning how to harmonize. So to me, that's the biggest block that most leaders face is they go, oh, I'm not going to change this. I'm not going to change that. This is how I always speak. I'm like, no, if you want to be a better leader, you need to become more versatile with your instrument. You need to learn how to harmonize with more people. Nice. Um, I know we're pressed for time and, and you've just like, you've created such good gems you talked about like vocal archetypes you talked about harmony transparency effective communication uh, you know for anyone out there who's watching or listening who's like all right i want to uh, i want to i want to be able to like impact uh impart sorry effective communication what what are like some simple tips that you might be able to share so that they can like at least try it out in their workplace look i I would say the first thing is strengthen your voice. Learn how to strengthen your voice. And there's a great book from Roger Love called How to Set Your Voice Free. How to Set Your Voice Free by Roger Love. Now, he's a singing teacher. And there's a wonderful vocal exercise in that book. When you, when you buy the book, you, you'll get access to an audio that he has. And there's a wonderful exercise that if you just did that once a day, five times a week, it takes you six minutes to complete. If you did that once a day, and I could get all my students to do this who come to my course, and you should see their voice at month day one and month six. It's unbelievable. The strength that comes across, the projection that comes across, the melody that comes across. So to me, the first thing is, you know, a pianist would practice for thousands of hours before they play in front of an audience. How many hours have you practiced with your instrument as a leader? Start putting five minutes in five days a week and really fine tune this instrument and just build that, that mastery around it. So that book is a, is a wonderful place to start. And then if you're interested, you should come join me sometime for an online class or come to an in-person class with me. Nice segue. So for anyone <laughs> that is, you know, is interested, they're like, man, Vin, we're on board. We want this. What's the, best way, what's the best way to reach out to you? Yeah, look, uh, if you just Google my name, Vin Jiang, V-I-N-H-G-I-A-N-G, or you go to my communication website, which is stageworkshop.live, you better find more information about what I do there. Nice. And for anyone that's watching or listening, I'll put it in the show notes below. Um, Vin, thank you so, so much. And for everyone at home, Thank you for watching. Uh, thank you for listening. And I'll see you in the next video. Cheers.